All right, good morning. Good to see you this morning. Uh, hearty people who didn't let the rain keep you from Sunday school. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to Acts chapter 15, Acts 16, I should say. I uh, want to finish up in Acts 16, and then Rich will, will dive right into to chapter 17 as well. Uh, remember this morning, we're looking here at the second missionary journey, this uh, second great trip that Paul uh, and, and Barnabas and, and others, of course, uh, sent out by the Lord uh, to preach the gospel, uh, rich with the goal of ultimately planting churches, of course, uh, where believers could be uh, built up. We, uh, we began looking last week at chapter 16, and um, uh, we saw a number of things. Uh, we saw uh, Paul uh, heading up to the north uh, and then to the west through Galatia, uh, and then across uh, what was the Roman province of Asia. We, we, of course, Brother Ray, think of Asia as being considerably further to the east today, but this would be the Roman province of, of Asia, modern-day Turkey. You recall they traveled across uh, that region up to the northwest of, of Asia to Troas, uh, and then across the Aegean Sea uh, to the west, uh, to the Roman province of Macedonia. Uh, they had stopped on one of those islands in the Aegean uh, overnight, evidently, uh, en route to there. They landed at uh, that city that's called New City, Neapolis, right? And uh, traveled about 10 miles in uh, to Philippi, uh, to Philippi. And, uh, we, we spent the bulk of our time last Sunday morning looking at uh, their time here in Philippi. We saw Lydia, the seller of purple, saved. She heard the gospel preached uh, and was saved, and she was baptized. Uh, and uh, we saw Paul then cast a demon out of a young woman. Uh, and her, uh, those who had been exploiting her evidently were quite unhappy about that. Some had evidently been charging for her to do fortune telling as a, someone, Brother Ray Metric, evidently who was quite literally possessed and uh, people were paying to hear what that demon had to say. Well, her masters, those who were exploiting her, were unhappy and uh, they, they uh, accused Paul of causing a stir and uh, that led to Paul's arrest and uh, Silas with him. That's where we left off last week. I want to stop and pray there, and then I want to jump in and, and see the account there at the jail. You remember this account. It's a good one, right? Uh, you'd say, how, how could it be good that they're in jail? Well, God's going to use them greatly there in that jail. And uh, in the end here, we see the Philippian church being established uh, through this trial. And uh, God works in trials, Brother Ray, so we, we praise him for that. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you this morning for uh, the rain. Lord, we know we need it. We know it's a blessing. Help us to not be uh, discouraged by the rain and, and the dark skies, but rather to rejoice and, uh, and to be glad for your provision. Lord, thank you for each one who's been able to come out this morning. I pray you bless them. Lord, as we look into uh, your word this morning, I pray that we'd be excited. And Lord, that we would rejoice at having it and being able to uh, study through it together. And, and Lord, to take out principles that... Uh, we can and should apply uh, to our own church, Long Hill Baptist Church, even today. Lord, I pray you help uh, us to do that. Help me, Lord, as I teach, and I pray you help each uh, hearer uh, of your words now. Lord, help us to take this time seriously, and uh, Lord, to be encouraged and instructed by you. And Father, as we look at uh, Paul and Silas and, and their trial, 
uh, of being wrongly jailed. Lord, what looks like a terrible injustice uh, is something that you've permitted uh, for good purposes. And Lord, good purposes indeed. We see uh, people being saved and uh, a church being established uh, in and through this trial. Lord, help us to remember always that you are at work in trials and, uh, and you certainly can and, and do great works uh, in and through great trials. Lord, help us to never forget that, please. Father, help me now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's, let's jump in here at verse 22. Uh, Bible says here, the multitude rose up together against them, Paul and Silas and uh, perhaps others. The magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. Uh, and they were beaten. This would be a great trial. Could you imagine? We're, we're out sharing the gospel and we don't go out casting out demons typically, but we go out sharing the gospel. Uh, thank you to those who were able to be out with us yesterday. Uh, imagine if we were out sharing the gospel and someone was so offended by that, that, that we were beaten and or arrested. That, that's what happened to Paul and, uh, and Silas when verse 23 says, when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them uh, into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. I think we saw these verses last Sunday. Uh, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, uh, the, the deepest part of the prison, furthest beyond the walls, uh, where they would be least likely to be able to escape. Rich, I think I said uh, last Sunday morning, if they were able to escape from there, you'd probably have to conclude that it was, it was quite miraculous. It was quite supernatural. Of course, that's what we're about to see here. Uh, they, they were cast into the inner prison. They, their feet were uh, fast in or secured in, in stocks. Uh, so they're, they're, they're locked into the inner part of the prison and their feet are locked in. They're, they'll not be able to escape without some uh, supernatural intervention. Now, Brother Ray, if, if what, we were out yesterday and we had been beaten and arrested and jailed for being out there, we would tempt, we'd be tempted to be discouraged, right? We would be tempted to be all down and discouraged and woe is us and Lord, how could you allow that? Uh, we're just doing what you've called us to do, and God, look what you've allowed, like he didn't know that, right? That'd be our temptation, but uh, Paul and Silas don't give in to that kind of temptation. Uh, instead, in verse 25, we see them here at midnight. Uh, Paul and Silas, they're, they're praying. They're drawing close to the Lord, and, uh, and they're saying praises unto God. You say, How, what do they have to praise God for? Well, they praise God that uh, they're alive. They weren't beaten to death. They praise God that uh, they've been used greatly by him. Maybe they praise God, Brother Ray, for a roof over their head that night. I don't know. But they're, they're praising God, no doubt, for their salvation, for being used uh, by him. Uh, they, they, could, they could say, God, how, how could you let this happen? Instead, they're probably praising God for saving them from a beating that might have killed them. They're, they're praising God, and the prisoners heard them, uh, the Bible said. And Rich, you, you can only imagine what effect that must have had. The prisoners heard them praying and, and singing and praising God, and we know the jailer, the warden, uh, heard him as well. Uh, the Bible says in verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake, and this wasn't just, uh, this wasn't a coincidence, right, church? It's not a coincidence. It just happened to be an earthquake. No, this is God. <laughs> we understand that. Uh, earthquakes have accompanied uh, other events of great significance, the cross, and, and, and for an example. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, and Rich, I think we have to say this is the Lord working. We'll see that in a moment. And perhaps, perhaps this is God 
blessing Paul and Silas for staying faithful uh, in the midst of a trial. Uh, is an earthquake a blessing? We don't, we don't tend to think of it that way, but here's what the earthquake accomplished so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands uh, were loose. This is an earthquake, brother. God used this earthquake to supernaturally uh, free Paul and Silas and, and perhaps others uh, as well. And you'd have to look at this and say, well, this is probably a blessing, almost definitely a blessing uh, for their faithfulness in the face of great trial. Uh, the warden, of course, you remember, he, he feared that uh, they would escape or they had escaped, and he, he fears that he's going to be in, in just tremendous difficulty uh, if these particular prisoners escape. So uh, he's inclined to take his own life uh, probably before someone else does is the idea. Verse 27, the keeper of the prison, the warden, the jailer, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners uh, have fled. Uh, verse 28, but Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself, what? What does he say? Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Don't, don't hurt yourself. No, no one's gone, uh, not yet at least. Uh, we're all here. Verse 29, then he called uh, for a light and sprang in and came trembling uh, and fell down before uh, Paul and Silas. Now, it's pretty clear in, from the next verse, um, Brother Garcia, that this man had heard them praying and, and heard them praising the Lord. And uh, in, in, in the content that he heard, he, he probably heard something about salvation and, uh, or, or maybe he's heard preaching out, out on the street or he's heard the gospel from uh, someone else who's been saved, maybe saw or was aware that um, Paul had cast a demon. Uh, out of the young woman, the young girl, the maiden. In any event, he has some knowledge of, of salvation uh, and his responsibility to be saved. And uh, verse 30 says this, he brought them out and said, Sirs, uh, Mr. Paul, Mr. Silas, uh, what must I do to be saved? That's a great question, amen. What must I do to be saved? It reminds me of the eunuch. He, he said, uh, what do I have to do in order to be baptized? And what was the answer? Steve said, well, you have to be saved first. Uh, this man maybe doesn't have knowledge of baptism, maybe does. Um, Lydia had been saved and baptized. Uh, in any event, his question is, is, is the best question that one could ask. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Brother Ray, what, is, what, what do Paul and Barnabas say? They say, oh, Silas, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll tell you someday. Don't, no, they, they, they focus right on that. They see that God has given them an opportunity through their uh, incarceration, through their uh, trial of having been beaten and then jailed. They, they have an opportunity to lead the jailer, the warden, uh, to Christ. They're not going to squander that opportunity. Uh, and they, they just give an answer. They give a very direct answer and a good answer. Verse 31, they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in uh, thy house. Believe. Um, and, you know, we've talked about this underlying word a lot. Uh, if you looked it up in Strong's, and, of course, Strong's is a great tool. I encourage you uh, to use that. Uh, the word has the idea of, yes, believe, uh, but it, it has built into it or sort of baked into it the idea of not just uh, knowing that something is true. And we've said many times, and you've heard many times, the devil himself believes that Jesus is, is son of God and the gospel is the only way to be saved. But this idea has um, 
this word, I should say, has the idea of trusting in something that you know to be true, uh, committing to that thing, having faith in that thing, trusting in Christ that he died and that his death upon the cross is the only true basis for uh, forgiveness, for, for eternal life. And uh, that's the word they used, uh, believe, trust in, commit to, rely upon uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And he says, and thy house. And here again is one of those examples where people will, will look to and say, well, if, uh, what does that mean, and, and thy house? Well, we understand that if, if he would uh, take the gospel to his household, uh, they could be saved too. He could be saved by believing, trusting in, relying upon, committing to Christ. Uh, and his house could be saved the same way. His, his household, his family uh, could be the saved the same way. Uh, and so evidently he desired that his household, his family, uh, would hear the gospel. We see that verse 32, that and they, Paul and Silas, and perhaps the jailer, spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all uh, that were in his house. So they all heard the gospel. Uh, his whole family, his entire household uh, heard the gospel. Evidently, they were saved, Rich. They all heard the gospel. Uh, evidently, uh, they were all saved uh, because they were all baptized. Verse 33, they, uh, he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and uh, was baptized. He, the jailer, uh, the warden and all his, his family, right, uh, his household, straightway. Uh, they heard the gospel, straightway they were, they believed, uh, each of them, and, and straightway uh, they were baptized. Brother Ray Metric, if you've got a group of people who are saved uh, and now baptized, what do you have? What do you have, Brother Ray Metric? You got a group of people who are saved and baptized, what do you have now? It sounds like a church to me. You've got, maybe some would say, oh, it's just one family, but okay. <laughs> Lydia's out there somewhere too, right? Uh, you've, got, you've got people who are saved and, and baptized. Uh, you, you have a, a little church being birthed here. And that's a wonderful thing. Of course, this is Paul's purpose, preach the gospel. People get saved, uh, but not just then to be left on their own to kind of make their way through life to heaven, but they'd be organized into assemblies, churches, uh, and, and this is what, is what we see here, little, little baby church being birthed there uh, in Philippi. Um, so you have now saved, uh, baptized people. Uh, evidently, they understand that saved, baptized people are called of God to uh, begin serving. And uh, maybe this is some of the teaching that they heard back in verse 32, get saved, get baptized, uh, begin serving. And of course, Rich, when we serve the Lord, a lot of times that'll involve serving one another, right? Uh, being there, uh, serving, being an aid to, a loving help to each other. When we do that, we're serving the Lord. Uh, so we see verse 34, when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them. Uh, he served them by providing a meal for them. That's, that's service, certainly, uh, loving service. Uh, and what's the next word there, church? He set meat before them and what? Rejoiced. He rejoiced. They weren't, they weren't going to be, you know, some of these long in the face, down, down 
Oh, woe is us believers. You, you could allow yourself to be that kind of believer. Woe is me. Look at my trial. Brother Ray, what if, what if Paul and Silas had been that, that kind of believer back in the prison? Whoa, whoa, whoa. like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, no, no praying out to the Lord and rejoicing uh, and, and praising. I, I strongly suspect that if if they had just kind of turned in on themselves and, and sat in a corner depressed and quiet, uh, that the jailer wouldn't have asked them anything, wouldn't have asked them how to be saved, wouldn't have got saved, his family wouldn't have got saved, none of them would be baptized, there wouldn't be a, a little baby church here uh, where a man is beginning to serve the Lord by serving uh, brothers in Christ and, and rejoicing. There would have been none of that. And so, boy, we need to be reminded this morning that uh, we could focus on the difficulty of trials, or we could say, God, you work in trials, and I'm going to rejoice and praise you and uh, sing and praise you some more and pray, uh, knowing that you work in trials uh, still today, just like you did in the first century uh, in Paul's day. This, these folks are rejoicing. Uh, they've been saved. They've been baptized. They've, uh, they're no longer on their way to hell. They're on their way to heaven. They have eternal life, and so they're going to choose to rejoice uh, believing in God with all his house. Well, they had a little house church, praise God. Uh, this, is, this is the beginning of that church. Well, uh, Paul uh, and uh, Silas will be uh, kind of sent along their way by the Lord now to continue their journey. So uh, let's just see the next uh, several verses here quickly. When it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeant saying, let those men go, praise God. Uh, and the keeper of the prison told the saying to Paul, the magistrates is sent to you uh, sent to let you go, now therefore depart uh, and go in peace. Praise God. The Lord allowed them to be arrested for a purpose. That purpose has been accomplished. Lord rescued them already, but now the Lord's going to let them go in peace. They're no longer wanted men. Uh, they're being allowed by the local authorities to go. Praise God. Uh, but Paul said unto them, they have beaten us openly uncondemned, verse 37, being Romans. Uh-oh, <laughs> and cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privily, privately? They publicly beat us and arrest us, but they're going to just privily, quietly, in secret, say, okay, now you can move along. They're concerned that they've badly mistreated Roman citizens. Well, they, they, they've, not, uh, they've, they've not honored the law regarding the treatment of Roman citizens. Uh, and so they were concerned. Um, nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. The sergeants uh, told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. They came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. Not only did they have to escape secretly, Brother Ray, but the magistrates said, hey, you just come and go. Uh, probably apologize to them. We didn't realize you were Roman citizens. Didn't realize all of our obligations under the law to you, but uh, we, we understand now, so you just go. So the Lord opens their eyes to who Paul and Silas are, and uh, they're being permitted to go now. They came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart uh, out of the city. Verse 40, they went out of the prison, entered into the house of Lydia. She'd been saved uh, and baptized. When they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. So uh, perhaps Lydia is united with the church there, uh, the jailer's family as well. Uh, did God work in that trial? Most certainly did. Does he still work in trials? Uh, he most certainly does. Well, let's, let's just march right into uh, chapter 17. Chapter 17. So 
Uh, picture Paul and Silas there in, in Philippi, uh, Macedonia, just across the Aegean from Asia, uh, kind of due west of Troas, northwest. Uh, there in Philippi, and the rich question now would be, okay, Lord, where do you want us to go now? Uh, where do you want us to go now? And um, the Lord is going to send them on now to Thessalonica, which would be down the coast of Macedonia, kind of along the coast of the Aegean, basically. Down along the coast, um, Thessalonica would be a coastal city southwest of Philippi. And this is Lord, where the Lord will have them to go. Brother Ray, what do you suppose the Lord has for them to do uh, at Thessalonica? Probably to preach the gospel, plant a church there too, right? Uh, that's, what, that's what the mission is. That's, that's what they're called to do. Uh, and that's what we see. Um, chapter 17, verse 1. Now, when they had passed through uh, Amphipolis and Apollonia, uh, these are coastal cities that they would travel through as they would go, head south to Thessalonica. Um, what they came to Thessalonica, okay. Uh, Lord doesn't reveal anything about what happens or what doesn't happen in Amphipolis or Apollonia. Uh, maybe they preached there, maybe they didn't. It seems like the Lord just has them traveling through these small towns uh, en route to Thessalonica where he has them to preach. In any event, the uh, Bible says they came to Thessalonica uh, where was a synagogue of the Jews. So, Rich, there's Jewish believers there. Just as we've seen in other places, right, Paul uh, would begin there. He would go in uh, to the Jews uh, there and say, hey, uh, you've, you've missed your Messiah, the one that all the prophets spoke of, the one that all of your scriptures point to. Uh, he went in there, uh, verse 2, Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them uh, in three Sabbath days, so three Saturdays, this would be two or three weeks, uh, reasoned with him, uh, reasoned with them out of the scriptures. So, uh, he went into the synagogue, as was his habit, uh, and he opened the scriptures uh, and, and reasoned with them, tried to get them to see uh, how it is that the scriptures uh, pointed to Christ. That's pretty much what, what verse 3 shows us, the content here uh, of Paul's preaching. Um, verse 3, so uh, opening the scriptures and alleging, uh, arguing, uh, reasoning with them, uh, three things here. Uh, first, the necessity of the cross. He, he preaches that Christ must needs have suffered. So uh, for sure, he, he showed them uh, verses um, uh, from the Old Testament that, that made the case for their, their sin, uh, their best being as filthy rags, ver verses like this. Uh, he showed them using scripture, uh, their Old Testament scriptures, right, the Jewish scriptures, uh, that the cross was necessary for their salvation. Maybe put, took them to Isaiah 52, 3, Psalm 22, other verses that showed that, yep, this was the prophesied way or plan for their sin uh, to be addressed. No doubt, Rich, he, he pointed them to all the Old Testament sacrifices and said, listen, you don't understand. Let, let, me, let me show you how those sacrifices and the blood of sacrifices uh, picture the blood of Christ, the Messiah coming and uh, covering our sins. So uh, he preached the necessity of the cross and uh, he preached the, the conquering of the grave and, and risen again 
from the dead. Uh, and thirdly, that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. Uh, this is Paul's message, the, the necessity of the cross, the fact that Christ conquered the grave, proving who he is. And, and sure enough, who he is is Christ, uh, the Messiah. This, this is what he preached. And we have the privilege to see here that, uh, to see the result. Uh, so, some believed. Uh, some believed. And uh, there's a number of different types of folks here uh, who believe. We'll see that uh, some of the Jews in the synagogue believed. Uh, we'll see that there were Gentile sort of seekers there. Uh, Brother Ray Metric, people that weren't ethnically Jewish but were worshiping there at the synagogue. Uh, Gentiles who were kind of seeking, right, tr trying to sort of find their way spiritually. Um, so we'll see uh, allusions to both of those uh, audiences being saved. Um, when, when Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church, uh, his first letter, Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians 1.9, also talked about how some of them had been saved, uh, they had turned to God from idols. So we know that uh, some were saved. Was it, was it right here at this point or, or later on? Don't know for sure, but uh, some pagans uh, who had not been interested in the Lord at all, but some who had been practicing pagan idolatry uh, had been saved there in Thessalonica as well. Maybe they overheard. Maybe, maybe, they, maybe they got saved here at this moment. Maybe they got saved later on. We, we don't know for sure. But what we do see is verse 4. Some of them believed. Some, uh, some of those Jews in the synagogue believed. Paul preached Christ and some believed. Uh, Rich, I'm... I'm uh, burdened and, and convicted by Paul going to the Jews first that, uh, you know, we, we assume today um, that Jews are just too hard to reach today, that, you know, you probably just won't ever lead a Jewish person to Christ, but Paul did, <laughs> you know, in, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Brother Ray, you've been saved, Marilyn's been saved, and, you know, Jewish people can be saved, and we should never assume that they can't be. Uh, we, we were saved, and uh, we know Jewish people who were saved uh, in this day, uh, and we should not forget that. Um, Paul says, some believed, I should say Luke records, some believed, and consorted with Paul and Silas, uh, and of the devout Greeks, so these uh, Gentile seekers, a great multitude, a great multitude believed, uh, and of the chief women, not a few. Uh, these are probably Jewish women who had some influence uh, in the synagogue is probably the idea. Uh, could, could allude to other things, but that, that may well be the idea. Uh, many women of influence were saved, whether they're women in the community or in the synagogue. Uh, seems like they're, they're women who had some influence in the synagogue amongst the other women. Of the chief women, not a few. So a great multitude and, and, and not a few. Uh, Paul went, preached the gospel, preached Christ, and, uh, and people are saved. We're not surprised to see in verse 5, some didn't believe and, and, and try to create difficulties. Verse 5, but the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, jealousy. They didn't want to see uh, some outsiders coming in and preaching Christ and stealing their flock away. Oh, that's how they would perceive it, at least. They were jealous. They were envious. Uh, and so they took them certain what does the Bible say here? Lewd fellows, wicked people. Uh, they went out and they, they found some 
uh, folks out on the street of the baser sort. Um, the word baser is kind of interesting here. It comes from the Greek word agora, which refers to the marketplace. Agoraphobia is the fear of going out from your house into the marketplace. Uh, you may know that word. It looks like they, they went out and they found kind of street people, people kind of out on the street who were living on the street because of their wicked choices in life. Uh, they went out and they, they rounded up some ruffians, <laughs> just people who were out on the street, living on the street, wicked people uh, out there because of their uh, sinful, wicked choices. Um, gathered them together to a company and set all the city on an uproar, assaulted the house of Jason, uh, evidently a believer here who has provided aid uh, to Paul and Silas and company, brought them out to the people. When they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren uh, unto the rulers of the city crying. And uh, so they've got their mob, their kind of lynch mob, right? Uh, and they're trying to find Paul and Silas and they believe this man, Jason, has given them uh, cover here. We don't know too much about this man. Uh, in Romans 16, 21, Paul refers to a Jason uh, as his kinsman, a fellow believer. We don't know for sure if that's the same man. Could be. Uh, but here's the charges, next part of verse 6, uh, the charges that they bring against Paul and Silas and company. Uh, these that have turned the world upside down uh, are come hither also. These troublemakers uh, have have come into our town, and uh, they're, they're causing all kinds of trouble and problems here uh, in the synagogue. He says, whom Jason hath received, and these do uh, contrary to the degree, decrees uh, of Caesar. They're, they're breaking Caesar's uh, laws, uh, his, you know, the governmental law, uh, saying that there is another king, uh, one Jesus. So, they accuse them of speaking against Caesar and setting up a, uh, a false king, uh, being people who are opposing the Caesar, the Roman, the Roman government. Of course, that couldn't be further from the truth. Yes, they're preaching Christ as king, but uh, they're doing nothing to uh, counter or go against uh, the Roman government. Their interests are spiritual, right? They're not conspirators against the Roman government. They're simply out here to preach the gospel. Of course, uh, even today, believers are often accused of being troublemakers, and uh, we understand we're called to submit to the secular authorities, governmental authorities, uh, in part, no doubt, so that this claim could not be made against us. Uh, verse 8, they troubled the people, the rulers of the city, when they heard these things. Uh, when they had taken security, I guess a bond, uh, of Jason and of the others, they let them go. Uh, they let them go. So um, Paul and Silas will be uh, kind of ushered out of Thessalonica uh, at this point. Now, <laughs> again, they've suffered some difficulty here. They've suffered uh, some trial here, but the gospel's been preached rich and people have been saved uh, and so once again here at Thessalonica uh, you've got a group of new believers people have heard the gospel and uh, you know you've you've got a little tiny baby church being born here as well it was never easy uh, it's still not easy of course uh, planning a church and uh, seeing it uh, 
coalesce and, and grow. It's not an easy thing. It'll often uh, be opposed. Of course, it invites great spiritual battle. But this is the Lord's desire. And so it is being accomplished. The gospel is being preached and believers are being uh, organized into churches. And yes, there's opposition, but it, God's will is being accomplished uh, in the face of, of this opposition. Verse 9 says, when they we saw this, when they take a security of Jason and the others, the other, they let them go. Verse 10, and the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto where? Verse 10. By night unto where? Berea. Berea. So this would be a little bit further down the coast from Thessalonica, a short distance down the coast from Thessalonica. Berea is not a a coastal city. It's a little bit further in uh, from the coast. Um, Maybe it could be as far as 50 miles to the west and a bit south. Uh, They sent them away by night unto Berea, uh, who coming thither went into the what? Where'd they, where did they go, Brother Ray Mechik, when they got into Berea? They went into the synagogue. That's what they did, right? Synagogue of the Jews. That's where they began. This was their, their way. Uh, now we see here the character of the Bereans. And, of course, the Bereans are famously spiritual people uh, who, who famously are people who uh, receive the Word of God and, and search the Word of God. They're students uh, of the Bible. Uh, they're not looking um, for to just to continue in whatever they think they should continue in. They're, they're looking uh, to see what the Word of God says and uh, how it should be applied. And so uh, verse 11 says, these, these Bereans at the synagogue there uh, were more noble. It doesn't mean that they held higher positions in the world, not in this context. Uh, noble has the idea of people of a higher rank or degree. I think we have to say in this context, they're, they're people of a higher rank or degree spiritually. They're, they're more spiritual, uh, people that are more committed to the Lord and his words than the Jews that Paul had found in the synagogues in other places. These are more noble than those in Thessalonica, for example, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. They were eager uh, to hear the word of God and they were willing uh, to receive it. And no doubt they had this kind of mindset when they heard the word of God there in the synagogue. But uh, when Paul and Silas came, it implies here that they were, they were eager and, and willing to hear what they had to say about the Messiah also. Uh, they searched, they examined, they investigated the scriptures daily Uh, whether those things were so. So when Paul and Silas came preaching uh, that, hey, Christ is the Messiah, uh, they could open their their Bible, they knew the scripture, they searched the scriptures, they could examine all the prophecies about the Messiah, the Christ, and and compare them to what Paul and Silas said uh, of him uh, and see whether or not what they said was true. And Rich, of course, this is uh, a principle that we ought to apply today as well. When we're, when we're here in the church, we'd have open Bibles and see for ourselves is, hey, is, is the pastor preaching what the Bible says or is he preaching what he hopes it says or wishes it says? And uh, these, these folks, they, um, they're more noble than, than others because of their eagerness and willingness uh, to search the scriptures and see what it actually says. Verse 12 says, therefore, many of them believed. They heard 
what the message was. They compared it to scripture. Therefore, many of them believed. Also of honorable women, which were Greeks, uh, Gentiles, uh, and of men, not a few. Well, praise God. Uh, many are saved here in Berea uh, as well. Uh, but, verse 13, when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither and stirred up the people. It wasn't good enough for them to, to give Paul and Silas grief back at Thessalonica. They hear that some of the Jewish people at Berea uh, have received the gospel and have been saved. And so they shoot down to Berea, try to cause trouble for Paul and Silas again you know, trying to preserve the power structure of Old Testament Judaism. They didn't want any more trouble than they already had, so uh, they go down there. Verse 14 says, Then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go, as it were, to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus, Timothy, abode there still. So they said, Hey, Paul, you better get out of here. <laughs> you, you better just go. Um, they evidently assumed that the Jewish authorities from... Uh, Thessalonica and, and Bria wouldn't have that much interested, interest in, in Paul's underlings, right? Silas uh, and Timotheus, they, they stayed behind, but Paul, Paul is sent away. Uh, the language here is interesting. Luke's, Luke writes, as it were, to the sea. Uh, Paul is going to be found next in Athens, and it would have been most easy for him to sail down the coast would be a considerable distance to Athens. Uh, I think people generally assume that's what he did. He probably sailed down the coast uh, to Athens. But the language is interesting. It's in verse 14. Uh, then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were uh, to the sea. Uh, the language implies that they, they were only pretending to send him toward the sea and then by boat down to Athens. Like they, they were trying to fool those that might be pursuing after Paul, and they, they, they wanted them to think that Paul was going out to the coast and sailing down south to Athens. We don't know how Paul, for sure how Paul got to Athens, but that language uh, is interesting. Brother Ray, if he, if he traveled by land, it would have been a pretty long and difficult trip. Um, given that there's no um, account of any of that journey, we, we probably assume that he did eventually sail to Athens. Maybe not immediately, but eventually probably sailed uh, south to Athens. Um, one interesting point here um, is that the Berean church really isn't mentioned much further after this. Uh, in Acts 20, Luke records that uh, a man, Sopater of Berea, traveled with Paul to Jerusalem. But that's kind of it in terms of mentions of this church uh, beyond this. Uh, there's no mention of Paul going back there. Uh, there's no uh, inspired letter or letters being sent uh, to this church, whereas there was to Thessalonica and Ephesus and Corinth and so forth. Uh, but this church doesn't get a re any recorded visits, revisits, or any inspired scripture. Why do you think? Why do you think? Any thoughts on that? Uh, is there anything in verse 14 that um, hints at why they might not have needed Paul to go back and 
correct problems or disciple them or why Paul might, why the Lord didn't use Paul to send letters back there to correct them. Corinthians got corrected quite a bit, didn't they? <laughs> they, they did. They got corrected quite a bit by the Lord through Paul's inspired writing. I think we'd have to say that uh, Silas and Timothy did a good job. Amen. Silas and Timothy, they did a good job. They're, they're left there, no doubt, you know, by Paul, yes, but in, in a manner that's consistent with God's will, the Lord's plan. Silas and Timothy are left there with that young baby church to disciple them. And no doubt they, they did a good job. They, they taught them. We don't know for how long. We do know that when Paul gets to Athens, one of the first things he does is sends for Silas and Timothy to come to Athens with him. But um, they, they no doubt did an excellent job with whatever time they had uh, teaching that baby church well enough so that the folks that were taught could become the teachers uh, and continue to spread the gospel and continue to disciple others. And uh, praise God, they were, they were people who had an interest in the, in the word of God. Uh, they, had, they had already known how to search the scriptures and they, they had willing hearts to receive teaching and they had teachers. Praise God for that. Lord, help us to be people who have a desire to receive your words and also to teach your words, to share uh, to disciple. Let's go just a, a touch further here. Verse 15, um, when, um, verse 15 says this, and they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, uh, they departed. They, they got, they, they, they sent, uh, he sent for Paul, forgive me, Silas and Timotheus, and they departed from Berea and headed down to Athens. And of course, there's going to be a great ministry there in Athens. I'm going to stop there this morning, but just remember uh, Athens uh, was really a cultural center of the Roman Empire, right? It was, it was a pl place of universities and culture and art, and uh, it was sort of the philosophical center um, of, of the Roman Empire. And so these, this was the place of all of the sort of cultural elites, right? And it would, you would expect this would be a, a really hard place to reach anyone with the gospel because people were so sophisticated, right? And sometimes, Brother Ray, we, we're tempted to, to feel the same way when we've knocked doors here in town, right? People are wealthy and, you know, sophisticated and they don't sense a need for the gospel. Well, that's true. Many of them don't, but many can be reached, right? Because um, it's accomplished by the Holy Spirit through us. And that's exactly what we're going to see here, Lord willing, next week in, in Athens. Paul will begin to address the gospel to these sophisticated philosophical elites, and the Spirit of God will pierce through all of that armor and begin to save some people. We'll stop there this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you this morning that anyone can be saved. We've seen uh, Jewish people saved and uh, Gentile seekers saved. And uh, we know that pagans, pagan idol worshipers were saved in Thessalonica and other places. And uh, Lord, we'll, we'll have the privilege to see here soon uh, cultural elites, the academics, the, uh, the, the, the most elite people of the empire uh, being saved. Lord, we understand today that it's you who accomplishes that. You work through uh, simple people like us to simply carry the message 
uh, to people who need to know the truth. And you work supernaturally in the message, in your words. You work supernaturally in hearts to pierce through whatever armor it is that people hold up uh, before you. And Father, we understand this morning that is the ministry and power of the Holy Spirit who indwells us, who convicted us, who gave us faith. Lord, I thank you this morning that uh, you work supernaturally in us and through us. Never let us forget that. Lord, I pray this morning as you lead us to go and, and to share the gospel that we simply say, yes, Lord, <laughs> yes, Lord, and that we trust you to accomplish what you will accomplish in and through uh, our simple effort. Lord, I love you this morning. Thank you again for those that have come out. Pray that you bless them. Pray that you work in the next hour as well. We love you and thank you and pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning.